Hey everybody, this is Connor, your podcast producer. Welcome back to the Yellowbird Connect podcast. This week, a very special guest in the studio, Kyle, is speaking with Tim Bratz. He is the CEO of Legacy Wealth Holdings. He can also be found at commercialempire.com. He does tons of educational content. He's been on way too many podcasts to name. He knows a ton about the multifamily game, and he's here to teach you all about it. So enjoy the conversation, and I hope you have a great week. The main reason we started Connect is to give everyone the opportunity to do what I did. We wanted to be able to offer the real estate community, especially locally, something new, something that was fresh. And if we can help a couple people change their lives through this education. Just one person or two people come up to me saying, man, that was awesome. Like what you put on was great. Then it'd be a huge win for everyone. If you've gotten any value at all from this Yellowbird podcast, Make sure to like, subscribe, and rate us on iTunes. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Kyle Pasquitz, uh, president of Yellowbird. We're here with Tim Bratz today, um, who I met probably a month and a half, two months ago in Orlando at a conference. Um, got to know him a little bit, Had a, got to listen to him talk, which was really exciting because he had a lot of cool kind of bigger mindset things that happened, kind of some stories, a story about the golf ball thing yeah. hitting you in the face, and that was crazy. So just wanted to introduce Tim. Um, so welcome, Tim. Kyle, appreciate you being here, man, or I appreciate you having me here. This is uh, always an honor, man. I love love hanging out with you. I love getting some insight from you and uh, appreciate all the value that you provide, man. So thank sure. you. Sure. Sure. And, and him, and I, I didn't go to a ton of detail earlier, but you know, our audience and, and who, you know, main listeners of this thing is kind of the local real estate investors here in Jacksonville. So a lot of who we kind of talk to are the guys who probably started just like you, wholesalers, mm-hmm. new investors starting to flip. And I know you kind of transitioned on to really the multifamily game and went from kind of learning the multifamily game to now going really nationwide and doing stuff all over the country. So I'm kind of excited to kind of hear your story. Um, and that's sort of where I kind of want to start is why don't you guys give everybody a little bit of background, who you are, where you came from. Um, and a little bit about what you're doing today. Yeah, man. Uh, well, again, thanks again for having me. Um, dude, I, I come from the residential realm, right? Like I was going through college when the market was going gangbusters last time around. So 03 to 07, I'm in college. I had a construction company. I interned for a big home builder and just realized that there was a lot of money to be made in real estate. And so I, uh, I lived in Cleveland, Ohio at the time, moved out after I graduated from college to New York City and lived with my brother who was working out there at the time. And um, dude just went and got a real estate license and decided to go and work for a commercial real estate firm. Um, we went and brokered like retail leases and office leases. And I just got to learn a little bit more about the investment side of, of the business. And I start reading these books, man. I read more books uh, in the first two months out of college than I did in all of college and high school combined, right? Like yep. giving myself uh, self-education versus sure. that formal education. And, you know, wanted this this residual income, automatic wealth, this passive income, mailbox money, like learned about that stuff and just went down this this rabbit hole of trying to learn about personal wealth and, and wealth management type, type things. And like, I remember going to a park and just hanging out in the park on like a Tuesday morning, like I, I had a job site down the street. I was walking to go grab some lunch or something. I just go like, I'm just going to go sit in the park for a minute. And then like the park was packed with people on a Tuesday morning. I'm like, how the hell are all these people able to just hang out during the middle of the day? Like they can't all be entrepreneurs. They can't all be on their lunch break. Like this, there's gotta be something out there where people can make money and not have to be at work all the time. Yep. Um, and then, and then I brokered my first uh, lease, my first retail lease down there after like eight months. And I brokered a lease for 400 square feet and it was $10,000 a month on a 12 year lease term 
with 4% annual increases. Mm-hmm. And dude, I did the math on this thing. I was like, dude, this guy, the landlord is going to make almost $2 million over the course of the next uh, 12 years for doing something at one point in time. Sure. And, and exactly. that was when residual income, like it made sense. Oh my goodness. Like I'm on the wrong side of the coin. I need to yep. not broker real estate. I need to get out of this, this, this transactional side of things. And I need to like go and own some real estate. So I'm in New York city. I don't have any money. Yeah. I'm like, uh, it was a crappy winter. I decided to move down to Charleston, South Carolina, moved down to Charleston and the market crashes. Oh, eight happens. Um, and all of a sudden all these foreclosures pop up. I've never done a deal before. I'm 23 years old. I don't have any money. Nobody's willing to give me money because everybody's saying run away from real estate. Yep. And, uh, I remember going to a seminar and just, you know, the person up at the front of the stage is like, dude, you can call up your credit card company and just ask them for a limit and you can go buy houses on a credit card. I was like, what? So I was like, I'll try it. I call my credit card company. I get them to increase my limit from three grand up to $15,000. <laughs> I found the cheapest house on the MLS, bought it for 14 grand. Uh, and I physically did all the work to it and I did it. And, uh, it was one of those things where you get involved in real estate. I think a lot of us get involved in real estate because of the allure of the passive income and the residual income. But then we all fall into this like transactional trap, right? We, we're sure. back on the hamster wheel and we think we have to go stockpile a bunch of cash. So we go and start trading our time for money again and we start wholesaling and we start yep. flipping and we start. And that's what I, that's what I did, man. I, yeah. I flipped my first house. I made 14 grand. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm making some good active income. Uh, more money than I've ever made before. And that's a real, that's the real story of the credit card to the first house. That's so it. People, t- people talk about it all the time, but it's cool that you got one of the, you know, a real one that you've done. I got a real one, man. That's yeah. how I bought it. Yep. And so I, dude, I showed up to my closing with like a perforated balance transfer check, like yeah. made out to the attorney. That's he's like, he, like it's got That's ripped right. edges and shit, written yep. in blue. He's like, go get me a cashier's check. What the hell is this? Um, yeah, it's funny, but I, I mean, dude, you got to start somewhere, right? And so you do. I, I didn't let the, I didn't let the the, the comments of like. Nobody's going to lend me money. You can't do this. There's all these reasons why it doesn't work. You don't have the resources. I remember hearing Tony Robbins say once that resourcefulness is the ultimate resource. And if you're resourceful, you can go and find the resources. You can go and find the money. You can find the time. You can find the knowledge. Dude, I just, I I ask myself questions instead of making statements. When you make a statement, your brain shuts off. When you ask yourself a question, your brain, the juices start flowing and it leads to another question or an answer. And, um, and that's, that's how I've always approached problems, I guess. Well, I love that um, you kind of hit, you kind of hit nail on the head that, you know, money or, or the resources is all one part of it. But if you're actually a real estate investor or someone that's aggressive an entrepreneur, there's always a way to do that deal. Like the, the money, the money's, the money should never be the holdback. If you're buying something right. Um, you know, people get stuck on that one, especially new investors all the time. And, and it should never, that should be the last place to find, you know, that should be their last hurdle. Yeah. Money's easy to find. You go out and find a good deal right now. The money's everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, But I I think those two things are the two most important things to do in real estate. Is you got to always be looking for deals and always be looking for money. If you're always sourcing money and you're always sourcing deals, it doesn't matter what the market looks like. You can go out and do real estate deals. You know, definitely. Definitely. Um, So those are the two most important like skill sets, technical skill sets to do real estate. Uh, But then you you also need you know, the mindset and the vision and some of that kind of stuff in order to really grow a business. But yeah, man, I, I, uh, you know, you start getting into the wholesale stuff and I was going through the traditional progression that probably a lot of us go through. You start brokering, then you start wholesaling and then you start flipping. As soon as I got into flipping, I was like, I need to get out of flipping because I'm really not good at this stuff. 
I can't manage contractors. They all screw me over. It's like unreal. Um, And then I got into flipping turnkey houses. So if I didn't sell the house, I didn't really care because I still had income coming in, right? I could sit back and wait for my, the right price. And it was very non-emotional working just with investors than versus working with like owner occupants, right? And so I got in turnkey and then all of a sudden the contractors started burning my turnkey buyers and the management company started burning my turnkey buyers. So I started like a construction arm and then I started a management company and, you know, it's, uh, you know, all of a sudden you, you like, you build this big business and you're like, how the hell did I get there? I don't know. I just, man, I just kept on solving problems. Right. Sure. I just had to hire somebody to figure that out. I had to build a system to stop having that issue. And like, it's just a step by after step kind of a progress. Um, and then you start meeting people who have money, but they don't have the time, they don't have the bandwidth, they don't have the knowledge, the, the skill set that maybe you have. And uh, I started partnering with some people and building up a portfolio and um, some partnerships went really well, some did not go so well. Uh, I liquidated let's, let's all, hit on all that my for, rentals. Let's, let's hit up? on that part. This is something, a really interesting topic. Let's hit on partnerships for a minute. Tell us what's what's your your biggest piece of advice or something that you've learned from partnerships? Because I've, I've sort of been down the road, been through a lot of different ones, um, but I'd love to hear your opinion on that while, yeah. we, while, well, while well, we cover that subject. It's, and it's a great topic to talk about, right? Because we all go down this road. We all, yep. especially as an entrepreneur, man, it's it's scary getting into business. It's scary yep. starting a new company. Like you want somebody to come and like hold your hand and go through some of this stuff Definitely. with you. The issue is, man, like like when you lose money, you figure out what, what kind of person you're dealing with. God forbid you make money. People can get really nasty, right? Yep. And so uh, you got to be aware and and life happens. it's it's it exactly. could maybe not be anybody's fault, but just life happens. You get married. you know, somebody has a kid. Somebody decides I'm tired of weather in Cleveland, Ohio, and I move to Florida. Um, yep. like there's a lot of different things that could come into play. and and it's very hard to predict. and And although the attorneys sit down, you go through the operating agreement and all that stuff on the front end, dude, you can't you can't predict a lot of this stuff. And all of a sudden, Somebody takes on more responsibility. Somebody takes on more ownership. Somebody takes on uh, less responsibility, but they're getting the same amount of equity. And like, dude, just things become incongruent. And For sure. and so what happened with me is I built a portfolio, spent about three, four years of my life with uh, with a couple of guys that I was partnered with, and it just didn't work out. We had to liquidate everything. Everything like I had an exclusive agreement with these guys, I, and they were my sure. partners. And so when it didn't work out, we had to liquidate. And I had to start all over again four years ago. Now yep. I had the insight. You know, it's one of those things where you take all my money away. You know, I'll, I'll have it again in 12 yep. months. Um, and so and I was able to build it bigger, build it better. And you know, today, four years later, I'm at 3,200 apartment units uh, across six different states. I got a portfolio of 250 million dollars, and awesome. I only owe between my debt and equity about 150 million on it. So beautiful. I, it, all that equity is not mine. It's split up amongst amongst some partners, sure. but a, a good chunk of it, multiple eight figures of it, is mine. Yeah. And so. What what I can say is from a partnership standpoint, dude, I built my business on partnerships, my current business, but yeah. not on getting married, right? Exactly. Across all my properties. I built my partnerships on joint venture deal by deal basis. I yep. love doing JV deals because all of a sudden, Kyle, you and I are together on this deal because we want to do this deal together. Sure. And if it doesn't work out, we don't have to do any more deals together. But yep. if we do another deal, it's because we love each other and yep. we, we like doing business together and we're working really, really well with each other, right? And so sure. I love JV deals because it keeps everybody honest. Like the only person I want to be married to is my my spouse, my wife. Yep. I don't need to be married in any other capacity, but I love joint venturing because you have a skill set that I don't have. I have a skill set that maybe you don't have. 
and together one plus one equals three, or maybe yep. sometimes it equals five or 10. We can do more okay. stuff because we're partnering um, and you can really attract a lot of A players that way. But if it doesn't work out, it doesn't beat up your entire company. It just, yeah. you know, it puts you on a trajectory where um, you just don't do any more deals. You do that yeah. one deal and you move this on. This is a piece of advice. I mean, for the people that are listening, this is something that is as true as I've ever heard is like there's a big difference between doing a JV, an individual house, partnering with somebody on a transaction versus going to bed with them at night and mm-hmm. becoming married to the person. And, and I see it in our, you know, in our local environment, the wholesalers every other week, there'll be this guy's partnering with this guy and they're in there constantly in the shuffle. And I think a lot of people, especially when they're new, they don't t- consider all those things and the longevity of a partnership and how that looks and the breakup and how much that can cost and the disruption that can happen. Um, and so there is, there is a, definitely an approach to, you know, do JVs, get to know the person, go down the road, you know, do some deals together, see if you can even see if you can even play in that turn before you go to that next step. Cause it's so often mm-hmm. it's not that way. hundred so. percent, man. So tell me about what you guys, so, I mean, obviously you're in, you're in the multifamily game today. What was the, what was the point? And, I, and I'm assuming, I know when we talked, you're kind of out of the single family stuff. Where was that pivotal point? When did you make that decision that, Hey, I've got all this stuff going on. You can obviously do single family. You could probably do a lot of their stuff as well. But what was that critical point when you said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to focus and, and get deep with, with one thing and actually become, you know, uh, industry expert. And I think that's what you've kind of became today. Yeah, man. I think a lot of people, I see a lot of people in real estate. They're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm super focused. I'm focused on real estate. I was like, real estate's not a focus. Real estate's an industry, right? Like there's a thousand different ways to make money in real estate. Even in a certain asset class, you could focus on, you know, uh, uh, short sales. You can focus on lease options. You can focus on subject twos. You can do like all these different things inside of a single asset class as well. So what I've realized is that the people, the business owners and mentors of mine in my life, dude, the more basic and simple and niche they are, the more money and the more wealth and the more cash their business creates and generates. And um, uh, one of them sold, hey, the more niche you are, the more rich you are, right? And so this was kind of after the fact, but I, I remember hearing stuff like that and early on, and, and I was doing a little bit of everything about two years ago, a little over two years ago. Um, I rented a house upstate New York, lake house, brought my family out there for a week. I'm staying there for two weeks. My wife's family come out for the second half of the trip. And I, every morning I wake up, grab coffee, I'm overlooking this lake, and you get very reflective on life, right, yep. when you're in that kind of a setting. And I remember sitting back, doing my goals one morning, and just like, Am I doing what I want to be doing? I'm asking myself good progressive questions, right? It goes yeah. back to asking good questions again and then good, getting good answers. And so I'm asking myself some progressive type questions like, am I happy doing what I'm doing? Is this getting me closer to my long-term goals? And I realized like we were flipping about 80 to 100 houses a year. And then I had a big management company, one of the largest management companies in Northeast Ohio on the residential side. And then I had some apartment buildings, a few hundred apartment units that I was kind of like raising money for, sponsoring loans, might throw in a little bit of my own money into it. Um, and so I remember sitting back and looking at, here's what my goals are. Great. Here's what I'm doing. This generates my apartment buildings, 90% of my net worth, yeah. but it's only 10% of my time. Yeah. My active business generated 10% of my net worth and was 90% of my time. And I'm like, dude, what if I pivoted my team and just told my acquisitions guy, Instead of looking for houses, we're only going to buy apartment buildings. What if I told my project manager that instead of renovating houses, you're only going to be renovating apartments? What if I told my dispositions guy that instead of selling houses, we're going to be managing management companies yeah. and asset managing our apartments? And that's exactly what I did. Dude, I just I just drew a line in the sand. I was like, 
Life's too short, man. I don't have time it to walk in, mess around. Did you walk into the office and just put your foot down and say, guys, we're, we're yeah. changing? That's yeah. pretty much how so, it went. So it was a, it was a very, and, and I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit crazy with that. Like I, once I, once I get pissed off and I'm like, no, we're not doing this anymore. Sell the shit. I'm tired of it. Sure. Like we're, we're, once I get to that point, like a breaking point, I'm like very adamant about it. And so that's what I ended up doing. And it was a, it was a small pivot from a, from a business and operation standpoint, yeah. you know, all we had to do is you know start marketing towards apartments. All we had to do is start renovating apartments. Like it was very simple from what we were doing, but it was a big mindset shift for the team. Yeah. It was like, Oh, well, what do we do? Well, this is very different. No, you know what happened? You draw a line in the sand, you burn the ships, you make a declaration of the universe. And then all of a sudden the universe responds and the, right. the universe then brought an 11 unit apartment building deal. The next deal later on that week came across our desk was a deal that we were able to wholesale and we wholesaled it for $87,000. That apartment netted, net $87,000. Yeah. And it gave us enough now cash to go and wait, and then we could buy a 20 unit building. And then we bought yeah. this, uh, a 24 unit, and then we bought a 74 or 70, yeah, four unit portfolio. And then we bought 48 unit building. And all this stuff started compounding because now we had the cash to cover sure. the overhead for a few months. And um, dude, I, would, would that have come across our desk if we didn't? you know, make that move and make that declaration. I don't know, but, um, I, I or would you have reacted to whatever you, you focus on expands for sure. Say it again. Or would you have reacted to it? Would your team have caught onto that deal? Cause they had 50 other things right. they were looking at. Right. So what, what you focus on expands dude. And, and yeah, for sure. How long did it take you? How long did that transition take you? Cause you know, obviously I'm, I'm assuming if this was in my business and we made this decision, there'd be a, you know, I'd have a pipeline of single family stuff coming. I'd have a pipeline of it in process. Yep. What, what did that transition take to get out of where you were at on the so single we, family side? And we still had a bunch of houses that were in the pipeline that were, yep. were buying or we were renovating or like, and we kept on, we, we didn't market for any more, right? Sure. So the ones that we had, the ones that we were selling, the ones that we were renovating, the ones that we were taking down, we, that probably gave us a little bit more cash for the next like six to nine months, yeah. I'd say, by the time they all sold and everything. Um, and then we had a couple wholesale deals. And, and so we still had a little bit of revenue coming in before we just kind of um, went full on. Yeah, I mean, we, we were full on, but not not acquiring new, new single sure. family. We were only acquiring apartment buildings. And so sure. what we ended up doing, man, is just focusing on the on, – and one of the things I should have done earlier on that I didn't do is I structure my deals very different than traditional syndicators, right? Mm -hmm. Traditional syndicators will take an acquisition fee and an asset management fee and a finance management fee and some other nonsense made-up fees, and they nickel and dime that they fee it to death, the deal to death. I, I never saw that as congruent with, you know, working with the investors. Yeah. And so for me, I was like, listen, investor, uh, Miss Investor, Mr. Investor, I am not going to take any money off the table on this deal. My whole model is buy an apartment building, fix it all up, create appreciation by putting the sweat equity in. And then instead of selling it on the back end, we just refinance it. So yeah. if I'm all into it, it's the same model that a lot of investors have on the residential side because that's what I come from, right? Yeah. I'd have to buy an apartment building and be all in for 65% of the after repair value. Yep. So if it's worth 10 million bucks, I'm all into it for six and a half. But it's stabilized on that $10 million range. They'll give me a 75% loan to it. Yep. So I'll go get a seven and a half million dollar loan, pay off my six and a half million dollars of acquisition loan and my uh, my private money investors, and then there's a million dollars of refi proceeds that yep. goes in my pocket, my joint venture partner's pocket, and the investor's pocket. Investors have all their money back; they still maintain equity in the deal forever. Sweet deal for them. Yep. I turn their money over in 12 to 18 months, even sweeter because they don't have to wait five, seven, ten years to get their money yep. back, and and then I have majority of the ownership in the deal 
um, because I'm forcing the appreciation. I'm finding the off-market deals. I'm bringing a lot of value in that front, and I'm not taking all these fees. So now we're in the boat rowing in the same direction with our investors. Yep. Makes a lot of sense for them. They can have more turnover on their money, predictable return, equity in perpetuity, smoking deal for them. And it's a smoking deal for me because I'm taking on the risk. I'm not taking any any fees. I'm doing all the work to create that equity. And yep. I have 70% of the ownership in the deal or something. Yeah. You know, or me and the joint venture partners, we would split all that up. Yeah, so definitely. now I can get involved in in more deals. We can go do more deals with the investors and keep on rolling their money forward. And at the same time, um, it makes a lot of sense, but I don't get paid until that refi occurs. Definitely. So over the course of 12 or 18 months, like when I started building my business earlier on, dude, there was not a lot of money coming off the yeah. table. Essentially hundred percent of the cash went to the investors until they got all their money back. And then I got a big pop of refi proceeds. Yep. So it was pretty stressful until pretty much like this year. It was stressful in how much more money was going out than coming in. Now, now the tides have turned. But if I were to do it over again, one of the things I would have done differently is I would have taken just a small acquisition fee to help cover some of the overhead. Because, dude, you ever had a it's construction project no, that yeah, went over no budget doubt. or over timeline or like sure. all the time, right? All the time. And that, that can happen in commercial real estate too. And, and it does. And yeah. um, if you're not... And, and now you're talking about a, you know, an $800,000 renovation project, not a $18,000 renovation project. Sure. So let's talk about, so what about, you know, obviously inventory on the single family side and, you know, I'm, I'm a single family guy, just local, just Jacksonville. Um, but where, where are you seeing your inventory right now? I mean, has it, has it changed in a lot in the last year? Are you still getting a lot of stuff coming through? I know you do a lot more marketing and your network expanded a lot, you know, over the last year and it continues to expand, but are you, are you seeing enough deals right now to kind of keep your guys busy and keep the pipeline flowing? Yeah, man. I mean, we, we have, uh, I don't know if you can see it up there, but I got 500 apartment units, 2000 self storage units, a warehouse, whole, whole nice. bunch of stuff that I'm, that I'm buying, uh, all nice. in the pipeline right now. Like, dude, I picked up 2000 units this year alone. That's great. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're very active. We have a lot, and I don't spend any money on advertising. All my deal flow comes from social media, comes from, uh, maybe somebody hears me on a podcast and, and shoots me a message and says, Hey man, I want to joint venture with you. I want to yep. bring you a deal. Like I have access to money. So a lot of the best operators, people like yep. you will come to me and be like, Hey bro, I, I got a 150 unit apartment building. Yeah. Can you help me either structure the deal, hold my hand through the process, like get the financing, whatever that looks like. I can, I can be boots on the ground. I can oversee project management, asset management, whatever. And that's cool. You get into yeah. a deal that you couldn't have gotten into before. I get into a deal that I couldn't have gotten into before. And again, man, we start doing some more deals together. And then maybe yeah. we really, really like working together. And we're like, hey, let's pour some gas on the fire and let's uh, let's do some more stuff. So it's um, yeah, it's a, it's a cool way of kind of structuring it and helping other people get in deals that they couldn't have gotten into. And Definitely. it allows me to build my business without taking on more overhead, without taking on more employees and without having to be like an adult babysitter, you know? Definitely. Well, and I think you make a great point. I mean, I see it so common that, you know, you'll have new investors, people that really have no means to do a deal, even in the single family game, but they found something good and they have no means and they'll sit there fighting for the equity and they'll fight to try to figure out how they do the deal and the deal will fall apart and they'll yep. never be involved in it. You know, we, you know, We've never done a deal together, but but I can see the synergies of if I came across a multifamily deal, is it in my best interest to, to battle my way through it and my time and, and everything else to do that deal or am I better going somewhere else? And, you know, there's a couple of builders locally when I we build 30 to 40 houses this year. I don't build them myself. I, I partner with a local builder that takes on some of the risk that does the project so I don't have to spend any of my time on it. Yep. And it's really it's really the same situation here that, you know, you only have so much time and you can only be an expert at, at so many things. 
Um, so if you're deep in the single family game, but you come across an apartment complex, you know, could you figure it out on your own? Yes. Is there going to be an opportunity cost of doing that on your own? Typically, almost always. Yep. Um, and, and, and what's that worth? So even though you might be able to figure it out, sometimes it makes sense to have a partner or somebody in there with that, you know, knows more than you do, um, knows how to get a deal done and structured. And, and yeah, you may end up with a little bit smaller equity percentage at the end of the day, but the deal gets done and it gets professionally done and professionally managed. So, and so dude, I, maybe, I it, it. maybe it makes more money because it you're, does. you're not hundred percent responsible for it. Maybe somebody comes sure. in and does that part of the job better. And because of it, you don't lose money, right? Like yeah. you're going to, you're going to pay for the education one way or another. It, it yep. could be, it's either gonna be from partnering with somebody, giving them some equity in a project with you and, and partnering up, but now you're actually making money, but you're giving up you know, some of that opportunity, great, that's no problem, but you could find an awesome partner that you can go buy, buy 10,000 units with, yeah. or dude, you're gonna try taking that thing down, you're gonna get kicked in the ball so hard that you end up losing money, you lose time, oh, takes you away from your primary business, yep. and, you know, hopefully it doesn't- Happens all the time. Right, it's dude, like that's all the such time. A, such, Most of the such people that I buy thing. my buildings from are smart entrepreneurs who got into real estate thinking they could be passive investors and, and just hire a management company and staff it out. And dude, it's a new business. And it they is. get their ass handed to them. They get punched in the, in, the, in the face multiple times. And then all of a sudden, they just let the property go because otherwise they're about to lose their primary business as well. Um, dude, that's most of the people I buy my properties from. Multi, multi-millionaire, sharp entrepreneurs just don't, don't realize they're getting into a new business. Sure. What about, so tell me, a, you probably got a couple, you probably got a bunch of success stories, but tell me about something that's in your mind, a success story, somebody that you did a partnership deal on that was sort of this person that really had no means to do this deal on their own. Um, is there any that came recently and kind of what did that deal look like? How did it end up at the end of the day? Yeah. I mean, I've had, I've had both, right? I've had people who, uh, I've had awesome joint venture partnerships with, and then other people who were like, Hey man, I got my equity and I found the deal and I don't want to do anything else. Right. Sure. Uh, and then my team has to step in and fill in the gaps and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, we're pretty, we're, we set very clear expectations now on what yeah. everybody's roles and responsibilities are. And, um, and now it's more like everybody earns their equity as we hit different thresholds in the project overall, you know, okay. and until then essentially, um, you know, whoever, whoever has the financial responsibility holds majority of the equity until everybody else, all the operations side, um, uh, meets their their responsibilities and, and checks all those boxes. So we, we've structured it in a way that really makes a lot of sense now. Um, dude, I've, I've had multiple partners. I had uh, a good buddy of mine bring me a 24-unit building, just a small building here locally in Cleveland, A-plus area, mm -hmm. but it was the most blighted building in the entire community. And the city was tired of it. And it's like nothing but problems. And like, you know, we, we bought the building for next to nothing because it was such a piece of crap. Yeah. And we were able to go in, we, we get rid of all the tenants because none of them were paying rent. They were all doing yeah. drugs. They were all drinking. They were uh, prostitutes in there, but it was like such a good location, such a sure. good building. And so we're renovating the heck out of it right now. They were getting 450 a month in rents and, um, market rate in that area is like 900. And we're yeah. like, dude. So we went in there, we renovated the heck out of all these apartments. It's in phenomenal. And this is a buddy of mine who flips 15 houses a year. He knows yeah. construction, you know, high end construction. He makes a few hundred thousand dollars a year, but he, he's not building wealth. He's only doing the transactional side. So he's been able to now get involved in this deal. He helped me raise, he helped bring the deal, raise money, and he's doing project management. I'm yeah. able to sponsor the loan. I raised a little bit of the money and we're doing some more of the asset property management. Yep. And so he's really good at what he does. We're really good at what we do. And be, between the two of us, we're able to hammer this thing out in a few months, renovate the entire building. It'll be, it'll take about nine months total to turn it all around, lease it all yeah. up. 
And then, uh, dude, we're talking about a building that we're all into for about $900,000 and it's worth around probably 2 million, Yeah, you know? Beautiful. So he just, he just, you know, I, I think he's got, let's say 40% of the equity, somewhere 35, 40% of the equity. And, um, and then we have around the same and then our equity investors have around 25 or something percent. Yeah. And, and in that deal, dude, guess what? He just increased his net worth by four hundred thousand dollars because he owns forty percent in this apartment building. Yep. Now he's building real wealth, right? Yeah, now absolutely. it's not just about trying to get the deal done. Deals. And at the end of the day, he gets a deal done. You and know, instead of sitting done. there and going away or, or wholesaling it, making five grand or twenty grand or whatever the number was, you get a deal done. You create long term wealth, and you don't have to carry all the burden on by yourself too. Hundred percent. So if it's not, it hopefully you know the deal should not stop him from his day to day what he's doing today. And yep. it shouldn't stop him from finishing the 15 flips or whatever else he's got going on. Because at yep. least he's got somebody that's knowledgeable that he can partner with versus just picking somebody off the street that he met at the local RIA. And now he's got a business partner. And, so. and, and get this, Kyle. He also is putting in 24 new kitchens. And he's putting in, what, about uh, 200,000 square feet of flooring and paint yeah. and fixtures. And guess what that does? Gives him a shitload of clout to go to Lowe's and Home Depot and all these other suppliers and manufacturers and vendors. And gives him way more negotiating power for his traditional flips as sure. well. So sure. now he's buying 24 sets of appliances instead of 15 sets of appliances. He more than doubled his annual bandwidth on that. And guess what? He's getting better pricing and better deals across everything that he does now. So now he's making more money in his traditional business. He's building real wealth with us. He doesn't have to take on the stuff that he's not good at. We're able to do all that stuff. So like, it's just when you can create good synergistic partnerships and you really know like, I know what you're good at. You know what I'm good yeah. at. We know that I'm not going to step on your toes or dance on your strengths. You're not going to do the same thing with mine. And we can, dude, cover each other's backs that way. Yep. It's powerful, man, what you can accomplish. It really is. It really is. So so kind of wrap this thing up. How do people get hold of you? I know you obviously you do your education kind of series yeah. and some masterminds and stuff like that. You know, how do people learn more about what you do and how, you know, how to create those synergies? Yeah, I appreciate it, dude. Um, hit me up on social media. I'm pretty active on Facebook. Um, I create all my content. Like it's, it's me. It's not somebody else creating my content on Facebook. Sure. Um, I have an Instagram account. I have a, a LinkedIn account. I have a YouTube account. Um, uh, I, I do a little bit of coaching. I only do like four events a year. Um, I teach teaches operators and, and investors how to get involved in commercial real estate and apartments. That's called Commercial Empire. You guys can go to commercialempire.com if you got interest in that. But I give a ton of free content out just through uh, uh, you know, podcasts and stuff that I'm on, social media posts that I'm on and things like that. So just hit me up on social media. Send me a message on Facebook. Let's connect. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for thanks for being on and look forward to doing some business. When I come across an apartment, I'll uh, I'll send it your way. I appreciate so, you, brother. Dude, thanks awesome, for, again for all the value you provide. So Definitely, thanks, man. Kyle. Thanks. Thanks so much. Take care, guys. Thank you.